We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Week 13. Rankings, start, sit, complete breakdown, position by position, hit the time codes. If you want to hear about a particular position, or just hit the description where you can find all of the rankings lists, which will get updated every single day. And if you subscribe to the Mayo Media Newsletter, not only will you get the spread show early, you will also get the updated injury report, which I will update every single day or when major news changes. If you're looking for the waiver wire, that's up on DKNation.com. Remember to smash the like button of the episode. Sub to Mayo Media Network, and I am still giving away three $100 prizes if you subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. The main part is on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, something you enjoy about the show, and then a Twitter handle or email address so I can contact you if you are a winner. Less than 24 hours to do this now. Winners will be given out on Wednesday morning, so please take the 30 seconds and maybe you get yourself 100 bucks. Listener's League is now available. Link is down in the description as well. Jake Sealy from The Athletic com is on the line. It was a big week for running back injuries, and because Carolina's on bye with Christian McCaffrey now out for the season, people, I assume Alexander Madison's gone in most leagues, but if it's going to come down between Chuba and Amir Abdullah, where are you leaning here? Because I'm actually leaning towards Amir Abdullah for two reasons. One, he's going to be in the game as a pass catching back, which it looks like Carolina's probably going to be a dog in most of these games going forward. And two, almost the same thing that happened to McCaffrey is going to happen to Chuba Hubbard is part of being the workhorse back isn't just yardage, it's getting these touchdowns. And if Cam is stealing all the goal line touches, how much upside does that really present? 
I've been laughing this entire intro because including the Carolina backfield, it feels like just doing my show all over again because I'm doing giveaways too. All mine are 50 bucks instead of a hundred, three fifty dollars ones instead of a hundred dollar ones. So you beat me on that. Uh, but I said the exact same thing with the Carolina backfield and said the same thing in the waiver article is I'm going Abdullah over Hubbard. I don't think either one of them are top 15 running backs, maybe even top 20, but are the conversation of what the Titans are at this point and the very similar roles to Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard and the pass catcher expecting these to, as you said, looking at the schedule, looking at expecting them to be behind. But the biggest factor, as you just stated, is the same exact thing I said, is that if you have the lead option, if you just take the Titans and replace Ryan Tannehill with Cam Newton, you would be more worried about Deonta Foreman than we are already. And that's the same thing here. So, yes, Chuba Hubbard earlier this year looked really good. 20 touches a game was, uh, you know, fringe RB1 just on volume. But Hubbard has been behind Abdul the past few games because Abdul is the pass catcher. So I'm completely with you. I think they're both fringe RB2-3s, similar in the same vein as the Tennessee running backs. Okay, so that one's pretty easy since we both agree on Amir Abdullah. Like I said, Madison would be the preferable waiver wire pickup if he was somehow available. By far. Because Cook is going to be out at least two weeks, it looks like, maybe more. He might be back in time for week 15 of the fantasy playoffs. I wouldn't count on that by any measure. Obviously, He might not, be done for the year. He might be done for the year. But what they're saying right now is one to two weeks at least. When you put right. the at least onto that, that's not great. It's like the Debo <laughs> right. injury where it's like it's one to two weeks. That actually sounds like it might actually be one to two weeks. Yeah, that, I, I'm with you. Is There's definitely, well, also when you read the reports of what is going the situation with that Dalvin Cook is dealing with, it's the separated shoulder. And all the reports from all the like inside injuries and all the doctors and all, everybody out there, separated shoulder only gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And surgery can kind of fix it, but surgery doesn't always help. It's kind of almost like back surgery. It's like it, it fixes it, but you could actually get worse in some ways. But the biggest thing is like the most rest that you need is the rest of the season like if it heals up and he comes back and then aggravates it it actually is now worse than it was before this so that's why i said potentially all year because if it's two or three weeks and the vikings lose all of their next two or three games and all of a sudden they're like screw it we're out of it we know that dalvin cook coming back and re-injuring that shoulder would put him even a further step but like a degenerative back condition then they might just say screw it and we're done with dalvin cook this year all right, we'll jump into the running back rankings for this week. Four teams on by, so you might be somewhat affected by all of this. Number one is Jonathan Taylor in the rankings. He's going up at the Texans, a pretty juicy matchup. Mixon, Fournette, Najee Harris, Austin Eckler, James Robinson, Daryl Henderson Jr. Your guy, you were dead right on Elijah Mitchell last week. Congratulations on that. Antonio Gibson at number nine, <laughs> presuming there's no J.D. McKissick, although rumors are by his agent that he's okay. We'll see about that. And Alexander Madison at the Lions at number 10. There was rumors Tuesday morning that Daryl Henderson is actually dealing with a quad strain right now i don't know right. if this is going to impact him playing or not but let's just say he doesn't play this week how high would sony michelle go up in the rankings do you think mm, by deandre swift and miles gaskin it's so like top 15 it's like mm, 17 18 19 somewhere around there he'd so, be inside the top 20 but the, the guys that you have inside your teens in the higher end like i would not play him over cordell patterson even alvin Kamara on a short week because also you would have to make the decision anyway and couldn't wait uh, Barkley, you run more on the Dolphins than you do pass, and you know, at least he's been coming out healthy for the two games and seeing plenty of passing game work. So really, and Josh Jacobs. Speaking of being right, you were dead right about Josh Jacobs. So credit to you on that one. I would not. I would play Josh Jacobs before I played Sony Michelle easy. So he would fall into the DeAndre Swift, Miles Gaskin, Harris range. I think I would actually go a little bit higher than that. I think I would if we knew that 
Henderson was out before Thursday, I'd probably play him over Kamara just because I don't know where that guy is at at the moment. And if it's just Sony Michelle and no Daryl Henderson, like it's just Sony Michelle. He's probably talking about like 90% of the touches in the backfield against the Jags, which you, know, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, but it's also the Rams who don't necessarily run. This is similar to like the Tom Brady Buccaneers is like, yeah, last week they just ran a ton. So that's not people are going to like only have that fresh in their minds, but go back to earlier this year when they're winning 35 to 10 and still throwing the ball. So, uh, you know, it's one of those ones where like the, the team and the game script doesn't necessarily mean Sony Michelle is getting 20 touches. So I see I, Michelle over Camara, but that's why I said you're we're not going to know by Thursday. And that's why I would say I would play Camara before waiting and then finding out Henderson is playing. Now, if we found out Thursday during the day, Henderson's out. I would play Michelle, but I still would play Jacobs. You were again. You were right about this. I would still play Jacobs. I would play Jacobs over Camara too. You would play Jacobs over Camara this week. Mm-hmm. What's Camara and Taysom Hill? What's this offense going to look like with Taysom Hill? Is it going to be the Cam Newton situation? And now uh, we already saw. Actually, we know that answer. We know how much Taysom Hill hurts Camara's touchdown potential and doesn't throw to him a lot. And that change is happening, whether or not Camara plays. And if Mark Ingram is back as well, which it sounds like they're both there, uh, the only way I would feel better about Camara if Mark Ingram if Camara was playing and Mark Ingram was out. Okay. Well, let's go through the 11 to 21 then. David Montgomery is number 11. James Kana coming back from bye week. Saquon, Cordero, Elvin Kamara, Josh Jacobs, DeAndre Swift, Miles Gaskin, Damian Harris, and then Ezekiel Elliott at 20. I do have Tony Pollard at number 22 in case people were wondering with Javante Williams sandwiched in between them and Melvin Gordon one spot after that. So (laughs) (laughs) Dallas, Denver, Dallas, Denver. And listen, if you wanted to play Pollard over Zeke, I couldn't kill you on that, but on Tuesday morning, Jerry Jones said that there's going to get me. I, I want to get this proper, uh, this this properly constructed wording that Jerry Jones used. A big full load, I think, is what he said for Ezekiel Elliott. Although Mike McCarthy was like, <laughs> "No, nah, not going to happen." Although McCarthy's not going to be there because he is. I don't know if, whether he's positive for COVID or he just the time frame is too short. He is not coaching on Thursday night against the Saints, so it's a really tricky situation. But all the rumors were that they were going to scale back on Zeke a little bit. So I can right. kind of see it playing it out, playing out a lot like it did on Thanksgiving where Pollard was looked the best gained the chunk yardage. And with they were on the one yard line, Hey, it's Zeke time that the distribution of touches <laughs> is probably going to be very similar. The high leverage ones will probably still go to Zeke, but he'll probably be less effective. So it puts them pretty close to each other. I think. And, and this is another one too many shows and we're agreeing too much at this point. It was serious load, by the way. Serious, serious load. Yeah. load. You gotta watch out for those serious <laughs> loads. Yeah, you have to. You're gonna take some medicine for that. But you know, it's what I kept saying is worst case scenario, they turn into the Broncos, and that's what you have them at. You have Broncos and Cowboys sandwiched together is where it used to be. And this was the comparison I was making, and we're not talking about it for this week because the Packers aren't a buy, but it was the same thing with Aaron Jones. I said Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott were fringe RB1s. And both A.J. Dillon and Tony Pollard were RB3s with upside for more, and you could play them every single week. Both scenarios, both teams, now we could potentially be looking at, okay, the Broncos. But that's not a bad thing. Yes, it's not the peak level of like, okay, he's a fringe RB1, but both are usable as RB2s, and both now ha- also still have the potential to finish as RB1. So it's not, it's not what we wanted when you drafted Zeke, but it's still not the end of the world. It isn't. And the reason that I have DeAndre Swift so low at number 17 is because I don't know if he's going to play or not with the shoulder injury. They called him day to day from Thanksgiving when he had to leave the game. So that's more of a 
if he goes and we don't know anything else, he's number 17. If we know that he's like full, full stop, go, he's going up in these rankings against Minnesota. But if we're kind of like squishy, almost like we are with the Dallas guys right now about what their role is really going to be like, is that I trust the guys above him a little more and Kamara, even in that conversation, I didn't put Ingram in the rankings solely, not because I'm against Mark Ingram anymore. I'm trying to feel better (laughs) about all of this, Uh, but where should I put him in? If he and Kamara both play. I think Mark Ingram falls into Naheem Hines, Brandon Bolden, where he, like low twenties, right there, or on Kenyon Drake too against Washington. He'd be in the right in that range for me. I think I'd go Ingram over Drake. I actually, I mean, I have Bolden at number twenty-eight yeah. uh, because I think that he's yeah. in, he's a really good fit for this matchup against Buffalo, uh, especially with the New England being underdogs in this game. Although I think that a lot of the general public will perceive them as favorites. That could just be a very good Bolden game if it is a bit more like. We say, we've seen high-end running backs torch the Bills so far. We saw Jonathan Taylor do it. We saw Derrick Henry do it. Everyone else in the league has been piss poor against the Bills on the ground. So I know that the New England Patriots have an excellent running game as a, as a collection. How they will individually do against this defense, I really don't know. I'm not from the future, Jake. I don't know these things. But if it does become <laughs> to a situation to where, where they have to pass, then it's probably going to be Bolden a lot of the time. I, th- I tell you what, that'd be nice. Just uh, I, just one day into the future, just one sun, like give me a Monday and just know everything that happened on Sunday. <laughs> that'd be wonderful. I'm with you. I think this is going to be a curious, messy type of situation that's going to be tough to predict. You know, maybe they just lean into Damian Harris because he's the best all around, but Stevenson has shown passing game chops better than anybody expected, myself included, coming out of college. And maybe he's the pass catcher and it's not bolded in this game. It wouldn't shock me. I don't think that's how it would work as you have. But, hey, you know, this, this is the Patriots. This is what we've signed up for for years on end with the Patriots. Earlier this year, we were happy because it was Damian Harris. And now we're back to being the Patriots and not being able to predict a week in a week out. I would have Harris. And then after that, yeah. And where did you have Harris? You, had, you didn't have Harris that much higher. I, had, I have Harris at number 19. 19? I think I'd play him behind. I'd play him behind Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even against Denver. I don't know if I'll go that Only because of the uncertainty. Just the uncertainty, because I would go with, as you mentioned, we talked about the Denver guys. We talked about the Broncos guys. I even in those, at least with those splits, it's 50-50, both of them, and there's not another person really involved. With Harris, he could, no, I don't think it, and I wouldn't project it. And There's no way I would say Harris will be the third option. But if Harris was the third option, that's a conceivable outcome with the Patriots this week. That's just how this team is. So just for me personally, like how I would feel confidence wise. And the biggest thing, too, is you're also waiting for Monday Night Football. Yes, that's always the problem uh, when it comes to these Monday Night Football. At least we know that he's playing. So that will be good news. And if there's one New England running back that I would pencil in to score a touchdown, it's probably Damian Harris. Yeah. And I think that's the best odds there. But you, as you said, it might be Brandon Bolden, the best odds to catch the most and have five or six receptions. And they just turn to him instead of using Harris in the passing game. It's just the Patriots. The Patriots are back to being the Patriots, unfortunately. So, okay, let's rejig that then. That puts Miles Gaskin at 18, Zeke at 19, Javante Williams at 20 into the next 10. Then we have... Pollard, Gordon, now Damian Harris, Clyde Edwards-Alaire at number 24, Devontae Freeman, Miles Sanders, Naheem Hines, Brandon Bolden, Mark Ingram at number 29, and then Kenyon Drake. I'm thinking about bumping Kenyon Drake down 
two behind Boston Scott and Tevin Coleman because apparently Miles Sanders has an ankle yeah. injury that was quote unquote reported after the game, yet no one really knew what it was. It it sounded more like, hey, here's an excuse for Miles Sanders for not playing in the fourth quarter. I don't know how hurt he is or isn't at this point, but Well, it was earlier in the game. He left and came back. But then he came back and he, left he seemed to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But this is also the Eagles. And what happens if Jordan Howard returns this week? Then it's worse than the Patriots because it's it's a headache beyond headaches. So, yeah, I, I don't have a problem where like, I'm trying to see where you say behind. Yeah, I would start Boston Scott, especially against the Jets, too. I just thought Boston Scott before I went Drake and uh, Tevin Coleman. You know, this is what I said to Lauren on the waiver show on my end. It's like I said, Tevin Coleman is essentially the good version of Rex Burkhead. It's volume, but he's actually producing with that volume. Well, producing is pretty subjective depending on what you want. I mean, four yards per carry versus two yards per carry. You're getting 16 times four instead of 16 times two. That's a, that's a pretty big difference. 60, 70 yards is a big difference than 30 to 40. Well, th- and then we had to deal with what the hell was the guy's name? Austin Walter last week, who I legitimately yeah. had never heard of before. Most people haven't. I I double checked to see if he was even somebody I knew because I was like, wait, is that the name? And he was XFL guy and active over Michael Piran. Nobody saw that. This is another one. Like, no, this is at least we knew who Kadre Olsen was, but this was another one where nobody said, hey, expect Kadre Olsen to get the touches as the backup plan instead of, you know, Wayne Goleman. This is another one. Nobody out there was like, look for Austin Walter to get goal line carries and be active over Michael Pirine now that Michael Carter's out. Nobody was, not even the beat writers, not even the people closest to the team were saying that. So if Jordan Howard doesn't return, would you play Scott over Sanders anyway? Mm, Floor-wise, ceiling-wise, Sanders still ceiling. Okay. All right, Stevens and Jamal Williams. If if Swift doesn't play, DeAndre Swift, how high does he go up? Like, do you trust Jamal Williams? Because it's almost like trusting no. Tony Jones Jr. <laughs> against the Bills. Uh, didn't really work out. No, it's not that bad. We we've seen Jamal Williams, and the thing is, why I don't do I hesitate to say I don't trust Jamal Williams it has nothing to do with Jamal Williams, the player. Jamal Williams has proved to be top fifteen when he's called upon, and that doesn't even involve twenty five touches. Just 18 as the workhorse the question is 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 jamal williams right now even a hundred percent and if jamar jefferson is fine jamar jefferson showed a little bit of burst in his opportunity earlier this year before he got hurt as well so jamal williams would go up to i'd probably put him in that mix with the dallas and denver guys i I wouldn't put him much higher because hey you run against the giants and miles gaskin has been the answer there and he's been the answer for weeks although like i keep waiting for us to get screwed over by it but hey look we got the involvement last week with no duke johnson because they were in the lead and the coaching staff even came out and said that's why you didn't see duke johnson because we didn't need the pass but you saw Lindsay in that game and still miles gaskin dominated so i i'd at least go gaskin and then, you know what, because of the workhorse upside and not worrying about the split with Zeke, I'd probably put him right at 19. But I think Jamar Jefferson would fall into the 30s around Devin Singletary, DJ Dallas type of thing. Do you worry about the Jets running backs that even in a negative game script that Zach Wilson cannot complete a dump off pass to a running oh. back? He's incapable of it. It's it's really strange stuff. <laughs> uh, I it's Well, I'm mostly concerned about Ty Johnson. I, last week I said, Ty Johnson... If you want the ceiling, I'm going Ty Johnson over Tevin Coleman, hoping that Zach Wilson was going to show some type of capability doing what you just said and throwing to the running backs. 
He ruined the entire... He ruined the pass catchers. He ruined Elijah Moore. You were facing the flipping Texans. And Elijah Moore goes four for, was it 47, 46, somewhere around there. James Crowder, almost nothing. Even if Corey Davis is still out, still don't trust Elijah Moore. I don't know we're talking about wide receivers, but I'm just talking encapsulating this team. Is Zach Wilson destroys this offense. The only person is Tevin Coleman. And you hope it's not a negative game script because... I mean, he would still be the lead and he would still probably get about 12 carries, but now 12 carries, even at four yards a clip, is just the, he's barely even an RB3 at that point. So, yeah, Zach Wilson ruined this team. Uh, and you can make a case to not start anybody, including Tevin Coleman, against the Eagles. Uh, the rest of the guys in this like 30 range, like Matt Breda, I have as the number one Bills running back, which I never <laughs> thought that I would have. I don't know if Zach Moss is going to be a healthy scratch again or what's going on, but it at least seems like Breda is getting the higher leverage touches, which is really bizarre. I don't want to start and... any of these guys, as we kind of always point out. And then DJ Dallas, if I'm not sure whether or not Homer and Rashad Penny are going to be inactive again, but I would assume that they are. Alex Collins matter. just straight up stinks. At least DJ Dallas might yes. get like he had towards the end of the Monday night football game. It's like, Oh, dump off, dump off, dump off. Like that's his entire game. Like you're hoping for seven catches. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing. So the Matt Breida thing too, is what's good is the Patriots against pass catching running backs. That's a lot of upside there in general. So you, I'm with you though, is still don't trust the Buffalo bills running backs. And what's really the difference between Seattle and Houston's backfield is Houston backfield. They all suck, but Hey, guess what? At least they've been better than the Seahawks running backs. People just see this. It's similar to chasing the general Everett's of the world. And before him, Will Disley's and everything. Everybody's like, oh my God, Seattle Seahawks tight end. So much upside. Yeah. If you involved every single tight end of the history for playing the Seahawks for the past five years, you probably have a tight end one, but that's the same thing with the running backs. If it's not Chris Carson, you just could freaking what Voltron them all together and still not get Chris Carson. I think the biggest fight in the history of this show came about Seattle tight ends between you and Gary and like three years ago. It was, I remember the, it, it I was remember hilarious that. just to sit there and listen to you two <laughs> go at it. Ed Dixon I have at 16. Big Dick scoring touchdowns last week. <laughs> only, I know I'm higher. played 20 snaps, but I, I think he is someone who's going to have that number grow as, as time continues. But again... I'm there's only so many freaking targets to go around on Seattle. Whoa, whoa, hold on. You want to talk about snaps? Uh, let's talk about your number 15. Ben Watson had half the snaps of Josh Hill. You have to play Ed Dixon. The week before, Ben Watson played all the snaps and had a good game. Like, it's just, you're not going to know going into the game. That's my point. What you do know is Ed Dixon is the next tight Like, no, Seattle Seahawks tight end I, is I, a thing. I mean, it's a real in thing. fairness, Nick Vanette played more Wait, snaps why, than Ed Dixon. Why is it a thing, though? Again, we've, we're talk, we, you've on this show have already said that you, you'd start Tyler Lockett, you'd play David Moore. Now you're saying Seattle tight end is a thing. They're going to throw the ball 20 yeah. times. You can't. It doesn't matter. Look, They're ridiculously this, efficient with it. No, that was the same reason we said that you can't really like Austin Eckler. Like, this isn't a two-way street. They're, they're too efficient for their own good. It but, can't keep happening. Both of those guys, Ben Watson and Ed Dixon, played the second most tight end snaps on their own team. I just think that they're better than the guy who played more snaps right. last week. I'd rather no, play No, I, I agree with that sentiment. I'm just saying I, I don't think Seattle tight end is a thing. It's, it's most it assuredly not well, just a thing. Was a th what, do you, what, what do they have to do something every game? Oh, they just have. Not really. Will Disley had one good game. Be I mean, Ed Dixon just caught two targets for 54 yards and a and touchdown. The and it was the next guy. It's always When did Vanette do anything? When has Nick Vanette been a top 10 tight Go end this season? Go look at the game log. More often than I not. I write up this position every week for DraftKings. They do shit all, Jake. This is not a thing. Okay. Oh, fine. They never do anything. You're right. 
They two weeks, two weeks of don't eight be, weeks. Don't be pissed off because you hate Tyler Lockett. They throw the ball twenty times a game. You can't like every fucking oh, player on God. their team. We want to beat that into the wall like you did before. That's not an expression. It's the ground. Oh, it has to be expression now. You're you're winning this very well. I am. You've slipped. You want to talk twice. about like what my height or my age or my eyes or do you want to come at that next? What are we going back to eighth grade? I mean, you're the one who's not arguing the point. So I Actually, just I, I just like times. I just like Ben Watson more than Ed Dixon. Is all I'm going to say about this. That's okay. who I would rather play Look, in this it's, situation. It's a 15th tight end. If you need to pick up a tight end and play one, I would pick up Watson before Dixon. After that, I pick up Ed Dixon. If Ben Watson was out, you could probably just I, pick up Herndon. You pick, yeah, if you, yeah, I'd much rather pick up Herndon. Sure. I, already, I already have Herndon in these situations. There you go. Anyway, defenses. Before we get out of here, mad both of you, <laughs> mad. It was because Sal tight ends, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, was that three years ago already? It, it, was, it was in my old ago? studio. Remember we did the one year where it was me and you and, yeah, we, had I, a, and we had a guest. I remember the conversation. Time? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was three years ago. Who knows at this point? It could have been 20 years ago for all I know. Was the internet around 20 years ago? If it was, maybe it was then. <laughs> uh, anything else on running backs that you think we should bring up here? Or is it just like, eh, you're not, you're not playing Latavius Murray. You're not playing Mike Davis. Sorry. No, uh, I mean, I'm, you're not playing really anybody. The only one I would take a shot on is, dang, you hope Tampa Bay continues to roll out leads and Ronald Jones falls into the end zone again. That's really it. I mean, that's once you get to DJ Dallas, which you said, as you mentioned, for the upside of the pass catching, if you get to Jeff Wilson at 40 and go down from there, hopefully you don't need any of them. And if you do, I hate Ronald Jones as much as the next guy, but hey, two, two weeks in a row, he's getting touchdowns because they're just in control. What do we make of Jared Patterson if D- J.D. McKissick is out? Would it be him to fill, not necessarily the J.D. McKissick pass-catching role, because I don't think that there's anyone right. on that team that's going to step in and fill that out, maybe just more targets for Antonio Gibson. But I would expect Patterson to eat into Gibson's workload a little bit. I, I doubt the guy that they were monitoring all year long because of his shin problem is just like, you know what, 35 touches a game, not a problem, Antonio, go get it. Like They're going <laughs> to spell him at some point. They are, and the McKissick injury is not why I've been hammering in the waiver column for six weeks now to go get Jarrett Patterson because that's the thing, as I even mentioned, is even if Gibson is healthy, Washington, as we've just now seen two games in a row, Washington is just like, screw it. Like, instead of keeping Gibson in a limited work, like 15 to 20 touches a week and make sure he stays healthy, they're just like, we're going to ride him until he breaks. We don't care if the leg snaps in half. So Jarrett Patterson would be the lead even if McKissick was healthy. But now with McKissick, he's out, to answer your question. I'd Like, right now you have Swift in, and I would put Jarrett Patterson in the same type of conversation as Jamal Williams. Ooh, I don't know if he possesses that sort of upside because at least the one thing that, I would like about Williams in this spot is that I do expect them to spell DeAndre Swift in this specific scenario in which I've done the rankings, but at least he catches passes where I just don't know if that's just a part of Patterson's game. They have not shown any inclination that they're going to throw to him. Maybe that now changes because there's no McKissick, right. but, I, but I, I just haven't seen it where I have seen it. At least that it's not a great floor, but at least it is a floor for Jamal Williams. Yeah, but it's not the most attractive floor. No, I, but, I just, but, 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 you know, we're, it's, glu- it's glued to about fa- low 30s, but it's, but, it, but it's glued to the foundation. I mean, if you're dealing with Jared Patterson, you just might be like well, strolling through the house and then boom, you're into like a the black hole like Ozzie Smith on The Simpsons. 
Jared Patterson's not that bad. Jared Patterson's a solid running back. Uh, that's, that's yeah, what, but, but and that's, that's why not what I'm saying, his... though. But what I'm saying, like, uh, in terms of floor, like, he might not get a touch for all we know. Like, who knows what's going on in Washington now? So, okay, so you're saying, like, Antonio Gibson might walk into, like, the Christian McCaffrey-type role of, like, 95% yeah. of the snaps. Like, that, like that's, in okay. the, that's in the range of outcomes, at least the way I see it. Sure. Sure. And what well, that's why I'd say put him right behind Jamal Williams is he's in now he's in the conversation with the Buffalo guys who all might not get but two touches. So that's that's why I would say low 30s. OK, I mean, I can get on board with that. I got to give that some more thought throughout the course of the week. Fortunately, don't need to set your rosters today. And if you have to set your rosters with Jared <laughs> Patterson in them, probably not the best idea in the world. I do want to talk about handcuffs. Though. You're not going to contention. <laughs> no, yeah, you're out of it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of uh, running back handcuffs, I was trying to talk through them on, yes. the, on the waiver wire, wire, the waiver wire show that I did <laughs> on Monday, and then after I Good. finished recording, Christian McCaffrey was out for the year. All of a sudden, Miles Sanders is hurt. Then Daryl Henderson is hurt, and we don't know the extent of any of these things. But like now is the time to get rid of the David Johnsons of the world, the Rex Burkheads of the world. Hell, even the, if you're Thank not you. if you're not playing Tevin Coleman, you don't need Tevin Coleman. You are better off, Thank as you. we just saw with Alexander Madison or Sony Michelle, or hell, even Boston Scott at this point, or Jared Patterson. All of these high-end handcuffs are the ones that you actually want on your bench if they're taking the place of some useless guy just to fill out roster space. You don't need a wide receiver five. You don't. Not this time. Like, pick up San Francisco's defense right now so you can play them throughout the fantasy playoffs. So just keep them on your bench if you don't want to play them this week. But now you have them, and then your opponents can't have them to play against you. Obviously, if you're in a pinch and you need to play someone, this doesn't apply to you. But if you are coasting to the playoffs, make your roster, maximize the upside of your roster now so you're not scrambling to do it three weeks from now when you could have done it now. All right, so back here. I'm waiting to get... There we go. Thank you. <laughs> I was doing the Michael Scott. I wanted to wait to do that because I did it Monday show with Chris Meany. I did it today's show with Stepmom Lauren on my waiver show. I wrote it up in the article. I said the same, like some other names you left out. That Latavius Murray, if you're not playing him, drop him. Anybody who's a wire or running back four or lower where earlier this year you would say, hey, I could use him as a fill-in. I could use him this week. I have buys coming up, blah, blah, blah. If he's a buy conversation only, you drop him now because Madison shouldn't have been out there. Whether it was Hubbard or Abdullah at this point, shouldn't have been out there. The list that I have, Daryl Williams, Ronald Jones, Jeff Wilson, Herbert, Booker, Hyde, Dearness Johnson, if either of them gets hurt, these guys should not be on waivers at this point. Made it easy for everyone. I like it. That's what people should go do right now. Well, not like right. Actually, you've already watched like 25 minutes of this video. And yeah, the you're good. You pause, do, right do the whole call. Pause the video, go read the article, and then come back and rate and subscribe. That's what yeah, he always says. You, you don't need to come back. Just smash <laughs> the like on your way out and sub to the channel, and you'll be good to go. And now, listen, while you're out looking and picking these guys up, go rate and review the Pat Mayo Experience podcast on Apple Podcasts, five stars, something nice, Twitter handle, email address, boom, and you're in that draw for one of three $100 giveaways to be announced on tomorrow morning's show. You guys have heard me talk about Beam before. They're the functional wellness brand founded by former pro athletes that make products to help you pursue your better and push the boundaries of what's possible, like not being hung over as much, take some Beam the night before, wake up in the morning, feel great. It's fantastic news. But for now, are you ready 
for the best sleep that you've ever had because I am not someone who gets a great sleep. I'm not going to lie to you, but the Dream Powder Hot Cocoa now comes in white chocolate peppermint just in time for winter. It's triple lab tested and has the ultimate sleep-promoting ingredients, nano-CBD, reishi, magnesium, melatonin, other stuff, which I actually have no idea what it is, but I tried it, and it helped me sleep really well. And listen, I've been trying to have the best sleep of my life, and this is pretty close. And as someone who has trouble sleeping, it has been fantastic for me. So it should be pretty fantastic for you as well. White chocolate peppermint dream powder only lasts for a limited time. So get it while it's hot. And it's great news. If you subscribe now, you can also take advantage of Beam's best sale of the year for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. You'll get 40% off the first three months of a Peppermint Dream subscription, plus a free mug and a frother, or 20% off a one-time purchase. Again, this is Beam's biggest offer of the year. And just like this new flavor, it's not going to last long. So head to beamorganics.com slash mayo. That's B-E-A-M organics.com slash M-A-Y-O for 40% off the first three months of Peppermint Dream subscription, plus a free mug and frother, or 20% off a one-time purchase. Pause or cancel at any time. You're really going to enjoy it. At least I assume you're going to enjoy it as much as I have enjoyed it in my sleep. Really does thank Beam Organics. Beamorganics.com slash mayo. Wide receiver rankings for the week. I got Cooper Cup at number one, Justin Jefferson at number two, Mike Evans at number three, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, Tyreek Hill. Not a, I, I can never... Hill's always a tough one against Denver for me. You're not listen. You're not sitting Hill, so he's gonna be ranked number six. But it's like 200 yards or 30 yards. It feels like with Hill against Denver. Uh, Diggs number seven. <laughs> Hollywood Brown, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, who I'm just assuming is playing at this point. Like that, or he's out for the Maybe. year, right? <laughs> I mean, at this point, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray, like they're coming back this week. Really, the same thing you just said. Like they're coming back this week, right? Question mark. They're supposed to be coming back. the 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 I line mean, The line and spread in the Arizona game indicates that Kyler Murray is playing quarterback this week. So, what is it? Eight and a half? Yeah, I believe it's nine and a half now. There you go. Yeah, that that would that would point to them playing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because if it was Colt McCoy, it'd probably be like six and a half or five and a half or something. Four. I, was, I was thinking four and a half. Yeah, but they they've been winning with Colt McCoy. <laughs> they've been winning, but this uh, underrated. So I think the interesting thing here is too is that you got a second part of this conversation coming into it is is this include J- Justin Fields in the assumption or Andy Dalton? Yeah, Andy Dalton. We don't. You don't think we get Justin Fields back this week? No, he has cracked ribs. It's the same injury that Tua had earlier this year. I mean, obviously every cracked rib is different, but I can't imagine. Yeah, but then Tua came back in that game for for Jacoby Brissett. No, I was like, no, that, that I'm 100 percent fine. No, that that was a game where he had the broken finger. He went on IR for his broken rib. Oh yeah, too. you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So, okay, you are correct, sir. And I would not think that the team with probably the most devastating pass rush in football is where you want to throw Justin Fields with cracked cracked ribs against. No, that's a good call. Yeah, I see. Yeah, you're right. And, okay. uh, hey, the, the three best games that the Bears have had in terms of EPA per play this season have come with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Yeah, that's true. And, he, and Andy Dalton did make uh, Cole Komet a good thing this week. Andy Great streamer. Da- I mean, I, if, it, if I was coaching the Bears and Justin Fields was fine, Justin Fields would be playing. However, as a fantasy owner, I prefer Andy Dalton playing quarterback. He's, he's better for everyone else who isn't Justin Fields. 
Oh, he's better for two people. He's better for Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. At this point, Allen Robinson can't. He's, well, he's not you might as well put him in worse place. Well, he's, he's just not yeah. playing. So that's tough. No, I know. But that, even before this, I'm just saying, like, he's he's been done. So him and Cortland Sutton this year. And well, uh, Robbie Anderson. Those would be the three biggest wide receiver misses this year, I think. Well, Sutton was fine when Judy was out. As soon as Judy played and then got hurt. Yeah, then he was Cor- only okay he was, he was, when Judy he, he was, was He was fine. Like he was very playable when Judy was out. He is un- he's like not even rosterable while Judy is back. But really, <laughs> no, no one not. on Denver. That, I mean, that's really the problem on Denver. No one on Denver had more than four targets last week. You know how it was worse than that? The Titans. Well, they just have every, – <laughs> everyone is healthy on the Broncos. I know. I'm going to say three of the top five receivers, and that's that's why I didn't say wide receivers. Three of the top five receivers for the Titans were tight ends last week, and nobody had more than two catches. Uh, 11 to 20. I got Thielen at 11. Michael Pittman at number 12. Godwin, CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. So the Bengals guys back-to-back against the Chargers. Jalen Waddell, Brandon Ayuk with no Debo Samuel. Not that Debo Samuel was like playing receiver at all, but so Ayuk at number 18. <laughs> Tyler Lockett at number 19. Mike Williams at number 20. Then I have Hunter Renfro. I have Antonio Brown at number 22. He's... He's another one who's Maybe. expected to play this week, at least by early week rumors, but we'll see how that goes. Obviously, I'll update these, but if Antonio Brown is playing, I am playing Antonio Brown. I think you pretty much have to play Antonio Brown and what he was before this. I, I the, the funny thing is, is when you first were running through your rankings, you had Mike Evans at three, and I saw Godwin at 13, and I said, oh, he must not have Antonio Brown in his rankings. That was my initial reaction. No, the, the Bucs are going to beat the crap out of the Falcons. Certainly fair, but I think what we've seen is that Antonio Brown takes a chunk away, more so from Godwin. But I don't know. It, like, look, what they just beat the crap last week, and it was all Leonard Fournette. I'm not saying they expect that going forward, but I just don't, I, I wouldn't have Mike Evans inside my top five, and I wouldn't have Chris Godwin at 13. They're not moving him down a ton, but I would tick them down a bit if Antonio Brown's playing. I guess it's one of these situations where you're not going to bench them either way. So really, what's the difference right. between five and nine? I mean, well, the difference might be somebody's loaded at wide receiver. I, I guess so. Listen, if you're that loaded at wide receiver, <laughs> it's really tough to make a bad choice. Yeah, so the, that's the thing is, who was somebody who was like, ah, oh, man, 18 leagues are so, fr- eight team leagues are so frustrating. It's like, I feel like I always pick the wrong guy. It's like, yeah, that's what happens is because if you are loaded at wide receiver, you end up, you, just, you try to play matchups, you try to play strategy, and then you know, more often than not, you pick the wrong guy. It's like when you have two tight ends in that <coughs> Higby, like Logan Thomas, Dalton Schultz range is like, just go with one and just stick with the one for the rest of the year. Yeah, ho- hopefully you get lucky and you pick the right one. Because you don't want, you just don't want to, because this happened to me, and I actually have one team that is, like, loaded. Uh, Not so much now that Dalvin Cook is hurt, and DeAndre Swift is hurt, and Debo is hurt. Going into last week, looked pretty good on paper. But what I had done was, I had kept A.J. Dillon in my flex spot to see if Aaron Jones was going to be active or inactive. And then as soon as Aaron Jones was going to be active, I had actually had DK on my bench. I was like, oh, this is perfect. And like DK was my odd man out in terms of that's how good my receivers were. Uh, so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll just take out AJ Dillon. I'll put in DK Metcalf and I'm going to cruise into the sunset. What a good situation for me. <laughs> Not a good situation for me. <laughs> that's usually what happens on, on a different example of a similar things. You know, I had a buddy a couple of years ago who picked up, it was the year that Drew Brees and Matt Ryan both finished as top five quarterbacks, but Matt Ryan was like free that year. 
or as Drew Brees was free that one of the two was just like nobody wanted that year and it was the bounce back year and it was probably Matt Ryan and that was the thing is like he tried to keep playing and like always kept picking the wrong one like the other one on the bench would be the one that scored 30 that week yeah always it's I think that we talk about this every year during draft season that yeah one of the good things about having the like handcuff the the legitimate handcuff handcuff running backs draft time is that you're never really pressed to put them in your lineup but you know that they're there that the moment that they become viable they are in your lineup and that's a very easy decision to make it's one of the things about like some of these like alexander madison really the handcuffs who get overdrafted as guys that are going to play because you never actually want to play those guys like alexander madison going into (laughs) last year it was like well not only is he delvin cook's handcuff which he was It was, oh, you could probably play him as a flex every week. Turns out you couldn't play him as a flex every single week. He was garbage if you (laughs) tried to play him. But there was like this allure to play him because you spent this draft capital on him that you were just better off taking Devontae. Or I guess last year it was like Wayne Gullman in like the last round because it was you're essentially playing for the same thing when you draft these guys. A hundred percent. And it was like, you can go back years even before that. It was like D'Angelo Williams, not the year with the suspension with Le'Veon Bell, but it was like after that. And we saw D'Angelo Williams and it's like, take D'Angelo Williams in the sixth round because if anything happens to Le'Veon Bell, then Le'Veon Bell plays the entire year. And it's like, well, that was a wasted pick. In fact, most sixth round picks are pretty much wasted picks. Although this year, if you just take, you could have <laughs> got really good receivers in those rounds. You could have went like Chase Debo if you wanted to. Mm, yeah you definitely could have i'm trying to think what else was there was some running backs in the sixth round like you could have got gasket fournette was in that range yeah, fournette fournette, i think it was almost like a seventh rounder yeah it's funny the the dead zone for running back i mean beyond like injuries like that's gonna happen uh it, i always try to kind of like match up was the running back good before the injury or were they like just objectively bad like mike davis he hasn't even been hurt but he's just been objectively bad big miss by me uh, especially in a lot of those zero running back leagues but it was okay because you know i went zero running back so i still had a collection of just absolute jabronis towards the end that actually some of them ended up working <laughs> damian harris for example i thought latavius murray would work out a lot better but here we are but the whole point of the thing was you didn't put i never put myself into a position with these other handcuffs or the two quarterbacks who were somewhat similar to the tight ends right where i'm just forced to make this unknowable it's you're flipping a coin every single week just give me the one of them i'll use my bench spot for something else yeah, and well, the Harris we talked about that too. Harris was stupid that he was that low this year. But in general, like I, Ian Harditz was joking about all the injuries and said so. Basically, everybody played late round running back this year. And to the point, what you're making is like the dead zone still had a lot of misses. Uh, you still had Mike Davis, Gus Edwards, which obviously was an injury, but Trey Sermon, Ronald Jones, Zach Moss, and but then you had the hits. You had Fournette. You had Damian Harris. Uh, you had. You know, I'm trying to think who else. There was like one other in that name. So you could look at it going both ways. Oh, Gaskin. I already mentioned Gaskin. So it's pr- it's still more bad than good. But at least if you hit, you're hitting a top 20 running back. Whereas in that same conversation is what this whole point of this is for everybody's strategy next year is at least you're taking a chance on maybe you only hit one out of three. Maybe it's only a 33% hit rate, but you get an RB20. More often than not, to take that high-end backup and the person actually gets hurt and then you see it pay off and it works out and he is the guy and the answer it's more like a 10 percent hit rate so you're just playing the odds really yeah i'm just looking at the drafts that i had done uh one of the drafts i just do with my friends and i'm looking at it right now the fifth and sixth rounds the running backs that went it's 12 team league by the way half point ppr miles sanders damian harris mike davis trey sermon 
were the running backs that went in the fifth round mm. this year. In the sixth round, it was Kareem Hunt, Daryl Henderson, Miles Gaskin, Javante Williams, Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds. Like the sixth round really worked out much better than the fifth round there. It did. And honestly, it'd be like a similar conversation to the running backs. The end of the first, early second worked out a hell of a lot better than the early first because in the late first, early second, you were taking Mixon and Najee Harris and Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler. Whereas if you were at the beginning of the first, you probably don't have a running back right now. It's true. Uh, I'm just trying to look down. There was no running backs in the seventh. Then it was like Sony Michelle, Ronald Jones, AJ Dillon in the eighth. And then you start getting into your oh, Madison, really ugly. Your Madison's, Michael Carter's, Kenyon Drake, Singletary, James Connor in the tenth. Like, yeah, ten and beyond is really where you wanted to be this year for running back if you didn't end up with like Mixon or Najee or Jonathan Taylor. And those guys, like you said, were going at like the back end. Like in this one, Jonathan Taylor slipped to pick three of the second round. Mixon went after him. Najee went after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was kind of crazy because everyone started being like, oh, well, after my that. best teams this year are my Mixon, Eckler, Taylor, Harris, obviously. I mean, you could just look back, but those are the best teams because when I was at the end of the first round, because you know my draft style, is I went running back, running back at the end of the first round because by that point, Devontae Adams was gone. Um, and I think there was like usually one other wide receiver was all oh, Tyreek Hill was usually off the board at that point. And Travis Kelsey, a lot of times I was going to do, I told you I was going to do your strategy. There's a lot of times where I said, if he got to the turn, I would take Travis Kelsey, but a lot of people were taking Travis Kelsey as like the seventh, eighth, ninth pick. So I have a lot of teams on the back end that started with those two of those four running backs and it's glorious. Now, is that going to happen every single year? But no, it just, this is just more of a hindsight talk that we're having. Before I, anybody thinks that we're like, ha, ah, victory lapping anything. No. Well, I'm just trying to think of where McCaffrey goes next year in the draft. Because I so tweeted that out yesterday. Oh, I could pull it up. I did a poll yesterday because I was curious. I said, does he go? The four options I gave was late first or mid first, late first, second round, or I don't care because I'm not drafting him. So I could see, see if I could find the poll because I put that out yesterday to see if what the most common answer was. What do you think the most common answer was? Probably second round. I still think I'd take him like fourth overall. I think, well, what if you knew it was a completely healthy offseason and unlike, unlike Barkley, he was ready for week one? Yeah, like number four overall. Maybe number three. Four? Like I'd, I'd, I'd probably take Jonathan right, Taylor. So. I'd take Najee Harris over him just because they have the same role, essentially, in their offense as McCaffrey does. Would you and, take Would you take Barkley, not hurt, and no Jason Garrett? Or would you take Christian McCaffrey? I'd take McCaffrey. Uh, it'd be like, I'd probably, because Henry should be back by then. So it'd probably Henry over him. That would put him at number four. Like, I think he's in that mix with, like, Eckler and Barkley and those guys. Mixon. Yeah, so uh, mid-first is what 32% people said mid-first, 29% said late-first, and then second was 15%. And then he, who cares, won't be me, was 24%. He is someone that, like, when the first, like, quote-unquote consensus rankings come out, he's going to be like, number nine overall, Christian McCaffrey. And then by, oh, there it is right there on the screen. Uh, nice work, There you Paul. go. Uh, nice by, work. But by the time that, like, drafts actually come around, people will talk themselves into Christian McCaffrey, 100%. Because you just fall in love with... Even when he is like, what has he played? Like three full games this season? Was he averaging like 28 points a game or something stupid? <laughs> and didn't even score a touchdown in some of them. I know. This, the, you know, it's the same argument for the Saquon Barkley, though, is the people that fell in love with. And I was one of them. And it was going to work out just fine if he didn't step backwards into that guy's leg or foot when he twisted his ankle. It was exactly what I said. I'm willing to take Barkley at six or seven because I will wait till the end of September to get the 100% Barkley that we can get. And that's exactly what happened. And then he stepped on the dude's ankle. But I think I'm only saying that to say what you were saying is doubling down is 
the appeal of Barkley, knowing he was going to be 100 percent by the end of September, let alone the fact that Christian McCaffrey should be 100 percent by week one. You're right, is going to put him right in the middle of the first round. Yeah, and it's always easier for Christian McCaffrey to manufacture fantasy points, even versus someone like Saquon Barkley. They're yes. they're used in, yes. I would say, comparable ways, but just the way that McCaffrey is used is so much better. Do you get annoyed when people say comparable instead of comparable? No. Huh. I'm just curious. Like, do, do I, I always feel like people say, well, no, because I feel like when people say comparable, like they're trying to be hoity-toity, like I mean, comparable. I, put it this way. Like, I, just, I say comparable, so that's... You do mix both of them? You yeah. say comparable and comparable? Yeah, I, I think it depends on the flow mm. of the sentence that you're saying. Okay. I think I, there, there's a few words. Do you say vase or vase? Vase. Okay, so do I. And come to think of it, I don't actually know anyone that says vase, but it feels like... That, a, that definitely sounds hoity-toity to be it, like it, vase. It, it does, because we, we were actually at a party this weekend, and Cuss came in, because we, we were actually debating this, because they were sitting on the table. It was like, 100% Cuss says vase, because that's just something he would do. And he didn't. He said vase. We were like, oh, wow. I guess maybe no one says this, or it's just something like that's in our minds. I don't know. I, because I think the problem is, too, is you can't say vase without, like... Like, no. it, you, it, the, like if you could say vase, like... That like you, but you don't. Nobody ever says it that short without the vaws. <laughs> like you can't. I guess we should continue talking about uh, wide receivers because uh, I think rankings. We yeah, yeah. We only got through the top twenty. <laughs> yeah, uh, twenty-one. Hunter Renfro, Antonio Brown, Darnell Mooney, Tunes right, right. at number twenty-three. Amari Cooper might not play now at number twenty-four. More on him in a second. Uh, Brennan Cooks, right? Elijah Moore, DK Metcalf, Kendrick Bourne, Chase Claypool, Cole Beasley is the rest of the top thirty. Kendrick Bourne not, might not even be high enough. Has there ever been a player? I can't think of one. Before the season, a bigger <laughs> miss than Kendrick Bourne. And then even though he's doing stuff in season, no one seems to care. <laughs> I mean, well, because I'm going back. Let me look at the game log again real quick. What was he going into this? He's still 33 at wide receiver, but this is why. Because even with week 12, just the week before, 6.9, and then the week before his 22-point game against Cleveland, which was 4 for 4, for 98 and a touchdown. That's the problem. This is the biggest issue with him. Game log targets. Five, three, two, four, seven, four, 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 four. Like, that's why. It's it's not that we, like the community, it's not that we hate Kendrick Bourne. It's just that the wide receivers for the Patriots are not too dissimilar from their running backs, is that it could be anybody, any given week. The safe option, similar to Damian Harris being the safe option, is Jacoby Myers, Myers who never scores touchdowns. He finally has his one on the year, but... There's been games where it's been Aguilar. It's been born more often than Aguilar, and it's been born more often these past three weeks because two of the best three weeks are 20-plus points. But outside of that, eight, five, five, six, five, eight. Like, it's not... I don't think we're wrong to answer your question, Pat. I just think he's the quintessential boomer bust wide receiver four. Why don't you stop looking at the box score and start watching the games, Jake? <laughs> I did. I watched that game where I got pissed off that he had that second touchdown that should have never scored. Well, sometimes that happens. Uh, it does. Let's see. Yeah. I also uh, watched my DK winnings drop down as soon as that happened. Yeah, that that that's, that's part of the course. That's part of the course every single week. Just be fortunate that you had DK. Hey, I smashed Thanksgiving though. That's great. Great news. I smashed things. Yeah. Yeah. I had a huge day. I had Josh Allen, Dig, Schultz, Josh, uh, Josh Jacobs. Thanks to you. Uh, no, I did not have Reynolds, but I had Jacobs because I did the I pivoted to Jacobs off the Montgomery chalk. There we that, go. And that's what really helped. That was the move. It just turns out having Raiders was the move. That that is true. <laughs> Except unless Darren Waller. 
Yes, don't have Darren Waller. That'd be tough. Do we think that Amari is going to play? Because they said he was back in the facility today, but he was still coughing a bunch. We'll know tomorrow. If he was coughing yeah, a bunch, uh, should he not be in the facility? <laughs> well, you're not you're not symptomatic after a while anyway. It's just you know, because it's a flu-like situation. So yeah, it's but, been but, past but it's, the but it's days, not even so that. Like if someone was coughing a whole bunch at any workplace that I had, regardless of COVID times uh, or not, I was like, sure, why, why okay, go <laughs> for uh, yeah, like I wouldn't want it. Like since that episode of Seinfeld is like that's what you want. You want to trade in the hair for <laughs> phlegm. Yeah, <laughs> everybody. The right. That's the cookie show. That's the cookie episode. Uh, but yeah, we'll know on Wednesday because if he doesn't practice on Wednesday, he's not going to play. And then we'll obviously adjust the ranks for that. But yeah, like it's he said, the quote what was it. I'm trying to find it because it's the other quote from the Cowboys today. Yeah, the quote is not feeling the best, whatever the hell that means. So, yeah, he's still under the weather. But who else? Somebody else had that happen earlier this year where they got it. And it was the one extra game, even though we all assumed he was going to come back because he wasn't feeling well. I think now I can't think of who it was. Now I can't remember who it was either. Does that all just kind of blends together? But let's say he does miss the game. It does gallop into this into that spot. Basically, I actually had bumped Amare down because the matchup's not great for one and two. Right. Regardless of whether he plays or not, he doesn't sound like he's going to be a hundred percent. Right. I think a lot of it comes down to the Zeke situation too. Like I would, it's going to sound crazy, but I would put Gallup where Cooper is if Zeke is out. If Zeke is playing and they just lean on both of them. I would honestly go Claypool, Bourne, oh. but even DK when he's been doing nothing just over Gallup just because CeeDee Lamb's just going to get peppered. And yes, that could help Gallup, but Cedric Wilson's not going to go away completely if there is no Amari Cooper and Dalton Schultz is still a thing. So I like Gallup, but I just I don't think I'd put him as quite as high as Amari Cooper, mostly because, as you mentioned, the matchup, the Saints pass defense is up there inside the top five ever since Lattimore came back. I just want to see their their injury report on defense before this game. So they have everyone know, back. Like, like, they'll be okay. But the moment they start missing, like, a piece or two, their defense turns to absolute shit. It's funny. It's, you're right. It's honestly, it's it's very interesting. It's kind of like all their starters are, like, 80s on Madden, and but then every single backup is a 50. <laughs> 31 to 40, Devontae Smith, Van Jefferson, Sterling Shepard, Rashad Bateman, Kenny Galladay, Jerry Judy, Jacoby Myers, Josh Reynolds, Marvin Jones Jr., and Traquan Smith. You see, the issue with the Jacksonville and players of all sorts is that they don't get any yards or score any points, so it's tough for them to be good at fantasy. That's been a real problem all year. That's what the research has shown me. (laughs) That is true. And honestly, I think you can make a case to play chenault over jones for volume at this eh. point and in this yeah, I, yeah but i'm just saying you, you can know, make a case because if, if marvin jones doesn't get a touchdown if i was still doing worse place chenault would be in worse place by the way oh i'm with you i wrote him all weeks i how many years, how many weeks in a row did we talk about that i said I just, everybody I, should drop chenault i, I just i, I, I never i never got it leone good thing leone has won the thunderdome three times in the past like six weeks which is good for like 65k a pop that he is gonna owe me a hundred bucks because chenault sucks which was my whole argument to begin with. Like, <laughs> nice. Like the only people that like Chanel are like Twitter people. Like no one in real life seems to like him. Maybe he's Draft not Knicks. that good. Yeah. Actually. And you know who played in front of him last week? John Brown. Oh, Laquan Treadwell. Laquan Treadwell. Yep. Laquan Treadwell was the one and two with Marvin Jones. And Chanel was out there. I think either a hundred percent or very close to it. Three plus wide receivers. So he did get, Look, Urban Meyer was forced into the corner just like he was with James Robinson earlier this year. And then, oh, my God, this guy's actually talented. And I'm not saying Chanel is on the James Robinson level at wide receiver, but 
he was backed into a corner and using him and still only used him in the slot. And then still we saw Tavon Austin come and get the touchdown in the Jamal Agnew role. So uh, like, I'm not saying you're, you know, I would play him over Marvin Jones. It's just Marvin Jones at this point, because of what you let's go, let's backtrack what you said about this past game. The passing game is there's really not much there. Just like the Houston backfield, you need a touchdown or bust for Marvin Jones at this point. Other than that, if we're going down the board post 40, like AJ Green and Christian Kirk are there, they should all be back at full strength with Kyler back. That's good news for them, but it kind of splits everything up for them. I wouldn't expect to see a Rondell Moore 13 catch game again or whatever the hell that was. Beckham seems yeah. Beckham's basically just Deshaun Jackson at this point where both of them like it could be one big play and that's awesome or it's like absolutely nothing. Gage he got a lot of targets, though. Who? Beckham. Yeah, but they were trailing that entire game. They should theoretically not be trailing as 13 and a half point favorites against Jacksonville. Theoretically, but I think I would feel so you have Tony with Shepard, which I agree with. Shepard should be the number one because he's Daniel Jones boy. And if there is no Sterling Shepard, it's very easy. Put in Kadarius Tony, assuming Kadarius Tony plays. But with that offense, I would play Beckham before I played Tony. And even with the matchup, I think he's in the conversation. I don't, the biggest thing is too, is I want to push Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders has been nothing. I said that to you last week. Emmanuel Sanders has been doing nothing this year outside the games. He scores a touchdown. So Emmanuel Sanders behind the Arizona guys and behind Odell Beckham. Okay. I, who I can, is in front of Kadarius Tony. I can, I can bump down Sanders. I'll bump down Sanders to number 47. Now watch Emmanuel Sanders score a touchdown this week. Of course. Everybody out there bet Emmanuel Sanders anytime touchdown. It's well, that's, be like plus. Well, that's what down. I was, that's what I was thinking about uh, Tyler Boyd this week. Cause I have Tyler Boyd at number 45 now in the rankings. Not just, he's always the man who gets left out. And every time that you try to play him, like Uzma scores two touchdowns. But I do think that like <laughs> Burrow chase Higgins is going to be a very popular DraftKings stack this week, which inevitably means it's a great week for Tyler Boyd because no one will play him. Sure. Oh, there is one. I want to go back to that. We didn't get back to Hit me. Uh, in the twenties way too high. Elijah Moore, the quarterback. Yup. And Darius Slay, the quarterback and Darius Slay, Elijah Moore is outside. If Corey Davis was playing, I wouldn't even put Corey Davis inside the top 30. Darius Slay plus Zach Wilson equals I'm not starting a Jets wide receiver. And I love Elijah Moore. You know I love Elijah Moore. Look, I, I keep no ranking way. him up here every single week and I had like for like basically the moment the Zach Four for Wilson. Won. Yeah, listen, sometimes guys have bad games. It happens. Uh they were trying I would to play get Sterling Shepard over him, no question. I would not. I'm I'm gonna stick it with my guy Elijah Moore here. He's he's been he's been carrying <laughs> a few of my teams. Him and Hunter Renfro have been really my guys this year. He didn't carry him last week. He didn't, but for the four weeks previous to that, he did. What so he has one bad week and now he sucks again? Yeah, because Zach Wilson's back and now he's facing yeah, Darius Slay. I would play Jerry Judy out. over him. Not playing Jerry Judy over him. It's crazy talk. <laughs> okay. But the, re- that the, the, re- the, Sterling Sh- the reinvigorated Hold Chiefs on. defense? There, there's way too many names in this list that I would start over Elijah Moore. So we'll say that we'll make the bet Elijah Moore doesn't. I'll even give you 34.5. He doesn't finish inside the top 34. Deal. I will take inside the top 34.5. There you go. There we are. I'm going to put my trust, my guy, Elijah Moore. It really worked out well. Uh, the week that he started going up was the week that I traded for him in my keeper league because Cust had given up on him because he wasn't playing well. So Cust... I re- picked him up for free. Yeah, well, well <laughs> Cust obviously had him because he's a Jets fan, but then he like got so pissed off at the Jets, he traded me Elijah Moore, and then he started playing great. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay, can you just do that for everybody that's on Cust's team? You just get... A- this is like getting away from Gase. <laughs> get everybody off Cust's team and then do amazing. It's not bad. Like, he he... 
because it's the keeper league, we have these wonky rules. He wasn't playing Jamar Chase ever because uh, he was keeping him for next year. And then the moment he started playing Jamar oh, Chase, I think, it was, I, I think it was like week seven was the first time he played Jamar Chase, and Chase hasn't been good since. <laughs> He's been fine. He's been Adam Thielen since. Yeah, yeah, but he hasn't been 34 fantasy points Top a game. five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tight ends for oh. the week. Yes. Let's see, uh, Travis Kleiss. Uh, I think that's uh, I think that's his name. He's number one. Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Gesicki against the Giants. Dallas Goddard, Rob Gronkowski, TJ mm-hmm. Hawkinson, Pat Firemouth, Foster Moreau, and Dawson Knox is my top yeah. ten. You already had the two guys. I was hoping that you had too low, but you can't. Who? <laughs> I was gonna say, I said it with on the waiver show. I said, get ready. Foster Moreau is going to be inside my top ten tight ends this week. Yeah, I couldn't figure out how high to put him because Gronk is really been doing work since he came back so and i think uh, i think points per game he's number one this year isn't he at tight end points per game i don't know i can check with that uh it's close if not not number one uh but yeah the thing with foster moreau is that one game waller was out 100 percent of the snaps rob gronkowski's second 1.1 behind kelsey in points per game yeah now if he had only played more than like four games then we'd have something here well every time that he plays you want to play him what if we no? If we chopped out the game where he got hurt against the Saints, and that's the zero for zero, yeah. where he came back and didn't make it through, right? He came back in that game and didn't make it through the entire thing, right? He he left early, if I'm remembering correctly, right? I think that was the, the game. Saints. Like that was the game after he had gotten hurt and like tried to come back and play, and then he didn't play again for like four weeks. Right. 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 That's what. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So if you toss that game out, then he would be number one in points per game, but that's getting included because that's a zero point zero. But anyway, point being, Foster Moreau's out there 100 percent of the time. Uh, the stats for, I think the NFL messed up somewhere because I mentioned this in the waiver show with Lauren too, is they have Foster Moreau running 90 or playing 96 snaps last week. I'm thinking somebody keyed that in backwards because the team only ran 70 something snaps, which is still a hell of a lot, but that was also overtime point being, even if it was 69 snaps, he was out there for almost hundred percent of the time in a game that Darren Waller was playing for part of it. So yeah, Foster Moreau, I like, I would actually, there is one that I saw that I would push a little bit higher. Uh, but you haven't mentioned his name yet. Uh, I have 77 snaps for Foster Moreau. That sounds more reasonable. Yeah, 89% of the snaps. I mean, more more reasonable than 96. Well, how many total plays did they run? 87? I thought it was 70-something. No, oh, I have them at 80. I'm looking at Pro Football Reference. They have them at 80, 87 okay. plays that they ran. Did they? I'd have yeah. to check, though. The one I'm looking at has them at... 77 plays so the one i'm looking at that means he played 100 percent of the snaps well that's kind but of the one so the one i'm looking at doesn't include field goals punts no it's, that, it's only that, that's just off, offensive snaps well I, I can probably just try to look for yeah. it here let's see uh passing attempts so 77 for, uh rushing attempts 35 for vegas and 39 passing attempts then there's like other plays, sacks and stuff like that. Yeah, it doesn't seem so like eighty four. Yeah, it doesn't seem like eighty seven is going to be the number with the sacks in there. It's probably 40, the Foster Moreau numbers are like just off. <laughs> yeah, something happened. Just something. I think everyone was just too like tired <laughs> midway through Thanksgiving to punch in the numbers. For that game. <laughs> like it was like two for every one snap for Foster Moreau. Like whatever it might be. But anyway, uh, for your eleven through twenty, if you want to hit those, because I do want to argue for one player to be higher sure Ertz, Pitts, Schultz, Logan Thomas, Hunter Henry, Tyler Higby, Cole Komet, the Irish assassin James O'Shaughnessy in place of Tarzan, Dan Arnold, Noah Fant, and CJ Uzma um 
Logan Thomas was very clearly on a pitch count on Monday there night. Maybe maybe that changes, but you know, when you're only playing like half the snaps, that's not great. Yeah, that that's what I was going to make the case. As he was on a pitch count first game back, so was Curtis Samuel, clearly. Uh, but came out of the game healthy, had that touchdown that got wiped away. That was a touchdown that still held for, what was it, the Browns, I think it was, the one that skipped off the ground and still held for them, but it doesn't hold for Logan Thomas. Point being, you know, people would be having a different perception. I'm not saying what you just said is wrong. People would have a different perception of Logan Thomas after that. But at this point, you take the name off the jersey, Logan Thomas over Kyle Pitts. Dalton Schultz over Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is too high at this point. All right. So we'll just drop down Kyle Pitts. I'll put him below Hunter Henry. He's getting the Hawkinson. He's getting triple covered because they have nobody else to throw to. I mean, good news for you think Zacchaeus would eventually do something, but he just can't. It's like Russell Gage. He did one game. In one game. That was very nice. They were just like two really short touchdowns. But that's it. Yeah, I'll drop Pitts to 14. Good enough. I don't want to. And that's the thing is I would actually play. I would play Firemouth. And Moreau over Hawkinson at this point, too. I know it's Minnesota, but Hawkinson is just... Jared Goff is killing that team. Jared Goff is killing TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson got his day saved by a touchdown. I got a text from, like, three different people on Thanksgiving, like, Hawkins, Hawkinson's killing me. I can't believe I'm so blah, blah, blah. And then he got the touchdown that saved his day. But without a touchdown, Hawkinson... Hawkinson is essentially Marvin Jones. Without a touchdown, he's worthless. Quarterbacks for the week. I got Brady in number one. You know, they, they let the running backs feast on some touchdowns last week. But he it's sucks gonna be, now. It's going to be Brady time this week. I mean, he's yeah, he's so bad. He's the overwhelming MVP favorite at this point. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, number two. Jalen Hurts, number three. <laughs> Herbert Mahomes. They both suck too. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> Cut them. Mahomes at number five. Kyler Murray at number six. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Carson Wentz, and Kirk Cousins. At number 10, I got Jimmy G at number 11, Jimmy G and the 49ers defense. You probably don't want to pick like both of them up. Maybe you do, but like for playoff schedules, that's that that's the team with the playoff schedule. Pozzola actually brought it to our attention last week on the best bet show. And I bet them live on air 60 to one to win the Super Bowl. Hopefully that can come through. Nice. They're down to, uh, they're down nice to 28 to one. Now. Yeah. After one win. Are they? Have one win. It makes the difference. So that's because the NFC is pretty much almost wide open we're assuming arizona is the favorite winning without kyler murray but they're 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 beatable on top of it but yeah i think jimmy g is interesting stafford dak prescott you know dak's got i guess the saints and, and, and he just has like, he also hasn't looked like he looked fine i guess against the raiders but he was still off so the one i'm gonna make a case for Tua, and i understand you no i understand the floor but Taysom Hill for his rushing upside. I don't know if I would go Jimmy G, but I don't have a great feeling of Kirk Cousins without Dalvin Cook. I know they're saying they're like, oh, they're going to pass more. But we've seen a lot of times where we've turned to Alexander Madison and it's just not the same offense, even though Alexander Madison's looked great. And like, But if you go back to like every single game, Kirk Cousins has it exactly meshed as well like they give alexander madison his touches and they just turn to him too much that hurts kirk cousins or whatever i don't know i just i feel like this game doesn't need kirk cousins to be 10 like i just in my gut i I could be completely wrong with this and i haven't done my projections or ranks yet I just, if it was my team, I think I would start Taysom Hill over Kirk Cousins this week. I would not be doing that. I'd be, as the ranking show, I would start Kirk Cousins over Taysom. I have Taysom Hill at number 14. I think he's like a fine, like fringe start as a QB one, but you know, I'm pensive a little bit about Taysom Hill at the same time. He's better Cam Newton. If he was, then why wasn't he playing? Was he that hurt? Because he was hurt. I kept, yes, I kept saying that to you for weeks that he's hurt. Yes. 
they have said they've even admitted that he's that's why he was not even getting his little gimmicky uh touches and get he didn't get anything on thanksgiving they weren't even using him like for his little runs to mix things up when they needed him because they ran tony jones 16 times for 27 yards like they needed to use he's just he hasn't been healthy they're waiting for him to get healthy they gave him that contract because they knew he was coming back healthy I guess oh yeah, I guess that would be the point on that one. I, I can tell you where he projects out in terms of uh, the projections versus Kirk Cousins here. I'm using runthesims.com, by the way. If you want to simulate the slate 10,000 times, uh, then you can do that at runthesims.com with your own custom projections as well. Yeah, Lamar Hurts, Mahomes, Brady, Kyler are your top five in terms of overall projections. Cousins is actually one spot behind Heineke in terms of the projections. And I there don't have... Taysom Hill is just after that. Yeah, he's right by Joe Burrow and Daniel Jones uh, as like number 13, 14 in terms of projections. Now, I can always adjust those to you know, make him a lot higher. Uh, we'll see how that ends up going. When, when it comes time to actually start these guys on Thursday, yeah, maybe, I'll have, maybe I'll talk myself into Taysom Hill, but <laughs> Dallas does have a pretty terrible run defense. I don't know. There's he, a, Taysom Hill is going to be so heavy on Thursday night. He should be. I feel like he's going to be captain. He's going to be Captain King on Thursday night. Maybe he should be. Heineke is not a bad start either. I'd probably play Carr over Heineke, but Heineke against the Raiders isn't bad either. You know I love some Heineke. I'm not taking his jersey down until he loses the job. Might never he's lose not. the job. Maybe QB for life. <laughs> they might not draft a quarterback and just roll with him again next this draft class is not very good when we talk about quarterbacks so. and, I, and i doubt washington is in the market for like one of the potential high-end veterans to bring in like are you really doing yourself a <laughs> big, big upgrade if you're bringing in i guess fitzpatrick i suppose you know what you know what so the rust to the giants makes zero sense for their cap situation with the call but rust to washington i, I think, can see washington that washington's a team i think rust to the steelers makes the most sense I see. I would have said that, but my feeling is, what coach can handle the locker room and the player, and what fan base would be okay with it? Deshaun Watson to the Steelers is what I keep saying. All right, then Russell Wilson to the Saints. No, they want to take some hill. All right, to the Broncos. <laughs> I can see the Broncos. The Broncos do make sense, but I I think Panthers? Washington could be in play for Russ. Yeah, Washington should be in play for us. We'll see how it goes. The Giants should be in play for us, too, like you said. Like, they should be, but we'll see. They can't. They can't because Gettleman basically lit the house on fire as he walked out the front door. They have six players accounting for almost $110 million next year. If they don't get rid of Shepard, they have seven accounting for about 115 to 120 okay. They can't even get Russ in there. They're getting rid of Shepard. Like, he's gone. Well, no, because they restructured. They restructured and pushed some of his money to bonus. So, yeah, that's what I thought. This, I said the same thing because his dead cap was only like two or three million, and his cap hit was 13, 14, and that's why they drafted Tony to replace Shepard. And he's been hurt so much. But now, because they restructured it, his dead cap's a lot closer to his cap hit now. Okay. Defenses. Before we get out of here, I got the Bucks at number one against the Falcons, the Colts. Number two against Houston, Cardinals, Eagles, Rams, Patriots, Vikings at Detroit, 49ers at Seattle, Ravens at Pittsburgh, and then the Bills Monday night against the Patriots. I got Dolphins, Cowboys, Giants, Chiefs, Bengals, Chargers to round everything out. Cardinals, wi widely available right now because they're coming off bye week. Yes. And, and, the, the, Col Eagles... and the Colts are too, actually, because they like... played the Bucks last week. True. I was going to say, the only one, I pushed the Dolphins higher because it's Daniel Jones, and it's Daniel Jones' turnover sack machine. Um, and the, the Dolphins have been, pro actually, 
Is it week five or six? Mike Clay just tweeted about it yesterday that the Dolphins. Oh, when they, a little bit when they when they went to, when they went from man to zone and started blitzing more, that their defense has been yes, a whole lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was, and I don't remember what week was the change, but yeah, it's, it gets the Giants and Daniel Jones turnover machine. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. I think I'm going to leave them as is right now. See how that goes. I can see that being just a running fest, both sides of the ball, like little little passes from Tua uh, that are essentially just runs reminiscent of like the 04 Patriots, where it's like, yeah, we're not going to have a running game. We're just going <laughs> to throw to Dion Branch for three yards at a time. That's basically what you the just Dolphins made me. What? Curious where the, Dol- the Dolphins are still 12th in plays per game. Interesting. But the Giants are 28th. Not surprisingly. Yeah, it just seems like a slog of a there's game. Not, you know, there's not time to run plays when you got somebody clapping so much between every single snap. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. All right, uh, rankings for you come out at 12.01 a.m. Eastern time on Wednesday, so just after midnight on Tuesday, but your waiver wire column is out now. Yes, it is. And I do have a section that you just talked about with like the high-end backups to make sure... Sony Michelle's not in there because of the whole conversation we had about Daryl Henderson, but all these guys like do not let them sit on. If the Alexander Maris Madison situation did not teach you a lesson and weeks before this, do not let these guys don't drop Jeff Wilson. Don't drop Cleo Herbert. They get hurt this week and you're going to be pissed off. Don't do it. It's true. At all in kid on Twitter. Remember to leave those ratings and reviews for the Pat Mayo experience audio podcast on Apple podcasts. It's in the description as are the ranks, the injury report and the listeners league. So please go do all that stuff to the channel while you're here. Smash the like on the way out. And I will see you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.